Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Morning again, everybody. If you think about our <clears throat> Old Testament reading today, it sounds like Isaiah must have been watching Fox News or CNN. Isaiah wrote, Justice is far from us. We hope for light, and behold, we see darkness. We hope for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We growl like bears. We moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none on Fox News or CNN. Isaiah knew what it feels like when things you rely on have become unreliable, like our confused cultural values, like our political upheavals, like our very uncertain economic future. Back then, the Babylonians had leveled Jerusalem and enslaved half of Isaiah's countrymen. So it wasn't just a time of disagreeable politics, it was literally a time when the very foundations of life as Isaiah knew it were being threatened, if not destroyed. Some people think that we today are in a kind of Babylonian era, if not literally, then at least figuratively, or we're seeing the beginnings or the midway through or the endings of some pretty serious cracks in our culture. The reliability of political consensus has been replaced by extremism. What we used to accept as reliable information is now fake news, depending on your perspectives. Our reliable values, laws, customs, morality, what's right and wrong, what's true or not, all seems to be in flux, as if justice is indeed far from us. We hope for light, and behold, we see darkness. Isaiah reached the same theological conclusion that many people have today. And as a prophet, he was stating this in inspired truth, remember. Our transgressions are multiplied before you, God. Our sins testify against us, against our nation. We have denied the Lord and turned our back from God. The Lord sees it, and it displeases Him. This is exactly one of those scriptures where this conclusion that some people reach about today comes from that God is saying, 
enough is enough. I am letting your people, your nation, go its own way. You ever wondered about that? About what has been going on in the past couple of weeks or decades in this country? Maybe God has taken his hand from us. Maybe not. Who knows? Last week, I went to see some old friends back east. We sat on a beautiful lake where these V formations of Canadian geese were honking across the lake, and we sat there just like Isaiah said, growling like bears and moaning like doves about what is going on. A very strong husband on the dock after he had a few drinks spoke up just like Isaiah did, saying, we need to get rid of all these crazy people. We need to strap on the breastplate of righteousness, like Isaiah said, the helmet of salvation, the garments of, gen of vengeance, wrath to our adversaries, let's repay our enemies. Yeah! <laughs> now, he was saying, let's us do that, Isaiah, when he was saying that, was, uh, was saying, God needs to do that, right? You see the difference? Kind of leaving it to God, this judgment thing. He saw there was no man. God saw there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Little hint about God's solution coming up. Just as it is natural for us to want to rely on reliable things, it is also natural that we wonder or worry or get downright freaked out when reliable things become unreliable. It can also be very natural for us to want to lash out against the forces of evil. I got to tell you, when we talked about that on the dock last week, it felt good. Like we were going to be strong, and we were going to do something about this, and we're not going to take this anymore. Darn right. The problem is, is that God's ultimate solution is different. Maybe there are some good and wonderful and appropriate and God-led responses for each one of us in the voting booth with our civic involvement, with our speaking out about things, with our service work to help and contribute and honestly identify and speak to the challenges of our society. Those are all good things. I'm not talking about a political solution. I'm talking about God's ultimate solution to this decaying or crazy situation being different. While every fiber, every fiber of Isaiah wanted to lash out, remember, he, he took a critical first step 
by being a man of God, by being a devoted disciple, a man of faith, a man called by God. And that is, of course, prayer, seeking God's guidance, turning to God's Word, turning to God's values, seeking God's wisdom, instead of just lashing out and acting in visceral anger like we would have on the dock last week. When everything else seemed unreliable, Isaiah turned to what is ultimately the only reliable and relieving thing for our hearts, minds, and souls, and that is reliable prayer, reliable time with God in God's counsel to receive God's love and assurance and grace. Reliable trust, our response to that. Okay, God, thank you. I feel a bit more assured. Things aren't so crazy, or maybe they are, but I'm a little better off now that I've talked to you and am trusting in you. And the reliability of God Himself, which does not change, which is not subject to the craziness of our world and our politics and our culture and relativism and all that stuff. And in this process of turning to God, it turns out that the Old Testament notion of retribution to kill our supposed enemies is not God's ultimate solution. Now, of course, in Isaiah's time and situation, the Babylonians had really leveled Jerusalem. So, there may need to be at times, really, a military response to actual physical enemy and attack. Not, not going there, not saying, oh, we've got to be pacifists. No. And also not saying that there can and should be appropriate responses for each one of us as we are led by our intellect, our minds, our spirituality, and God's counsel to be involved, to take a position politically, to speak honestly and forthrightly, not diminishing any of that, but just saying, as we like to in today's world, God provided another solution, ultimately. God's ultimate solution is love. God's ultimate solution is to love our enemies into a change of heart and to keep loving them even when and especially when they don't change their heart so that we've got an opportunity to keep talking to them, right? It's hard to help somebody change their heart after you've given them a bonk on the head. 
knowing our tendency toward retribution, God did something about it. He did something about it that changed the world. He did something about it that should change you and me. Out of everything Isaiah wrote, just five words in our passage say it all about what God did. A Redeemer will come to Zion. A Redeemer will come to Zion. That man that Isaiah spoke about where no one saw him, God needed to do this because we cannot or perhaps we think we can in our visceral anger. God sent Jesus to show us the way toward reliable love, to be that reliable love, to express that reliable love, and so importantly, that love that each of us has received, right? That motivates us. That helps us feel good. That helps us feel okay, especially as we're talking about those people out there. And what's going on in our heart when we're talking about those people? Gently, subtly, the conclusion that they don't get it, right? And Jesus himself spelled this out in so many ways. Kind of hard to miss love one another as I have loved you, right? Kind of hard to miss love others as you love yourself. Kind of hard to miss that blind Bartimaeus story the blind beggar from our gospel reading. The Pharisees, the fat-chested Pharisees, walking along with jewels and all their learning and self-righteousness, wouldn't even have talked to this guy because he was ceremonially unclean, symbolizing, you know, uncleanness of disease or handicap or whatever. They wouldn't even gone near this person, judging him in their hearts, he doesn't get it because sin creates his disease or whatever their rabbit trail conclusion would be. And what did Jesus do? Jesus engaged. Jesus didn't just wave the magic wand and poof, he's fixed. He talked to him. He started relationship with him. For how else can you love somebody except by having a cup of coffee or talking or engaging with them? We may moan and growl very rightfully. There was a lot of really good moaning and growling on that dock, I got to tell you. We may moan and growl along the way about the unreliability of our world and those who seem to be behind it, darn it, but God's solution, God's ultimate solution, 
for our hearts. Not for our politics, not for our civil involvement, not for all that good stuff that we may be led to do and should do as members of our society, but the way we feel and think about these folks, that ultimate solution is love, mercy, forgiveness. A love, mercy, and forgiveness that never stops, that continues serving, even sacrificing, especially loving and serving and sacrificing for those who seem bent on ignoring the things of God, especially for those who seem bent on breaking down the things of God, the things we have come to rely on as a people of God or want to rely on or want to see in our society and culture. Our part, ultimately, as part of this big solution beyond politics, is to live out the love of Jesus as the best we can. It's like Paul told Timothy in a letter. Remember Jesus said, or Paul wrote, which means Jesus said, we're supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors for Christ. The ambassador represents the United States of America to the people of yada yada land, right? Here's what Paul wrote to Timothy in his letter published in the New Testament. I received mercy for this reason, that in me, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who might come to believe in him for eternal life. An example. My own forgiveness my own sense of worth and relief and being loved is to be an example to others so they can have it too. It is hard to share that example after we've bumped somebody on the head. Jesus honestly and forthrightly called out wrong and injustice, right? He did. He did not pull any punches. Remember, he did not pull any punches with a particular class and set of self-righteous, stuck-up leaders who thought they had it all figured out, who were unmerciful, who were condemnatory, who were judging, who were preventing people from coming to the love of God. A very particular group of sinners, while to the rest he said, I didn't come to help out the righteous, I came to help the sinners, the rest of us, the blind Bartimaeuses of the world. Jesus' weapons in this fight were helping the weak, healing the sick, forgiving sinful people and encouraging them 
to come to and allow and accept and enjoy the love of God. So how can we do that? How, how should we do that? How do we do that? We do it in as many ways as there are people in this church and as in many ways as each of us individually may be led to at the checkout counter, at the restaurant table, at the muffler shop, at the country club, on the tennis court. How are you doing? What's happening in your life? How's your family? Oh, really? Would you like to pray about that? Gosh, we should get together and talk about that. That's, that sounds like a heavy burden to carry. Let's go have a cup of coffee. Entering into relationship, loving, not bonking. That was a dangerous line. Not bonking on the head. Some of us have concluded with family members who have gone off in crazy directions. They know where we stand. We don't need to tell them again. We don't need to straighten them out. We need to love them. They know where we're coming from. They know where we want them to go. Let's go there with them in a beautiful walk of love and relationship and let the future unfold and let the Lord guide them through love. The ultimate repayment to enemies that Isaiah so naturally yearned for in an unreliable world is the love of Jesus lived out by you and me. That is reliable purpose. That is reliability in our hearts, right? No matter what you see on the news, it feels good. It feels purposeful to know that we are loving our enemies, even as we may work politically or at the ballot box or in whatever ways to redirect them. We want to redirect in love. Let's pray. Father God, when we sit on the dock and think about all this stuff, boy, oh boy, do we moan and growl. And yet, Lord, uh, you do show us this ultimate beautiful way beyond politics to love. And you show us in Jesus. Lord, I ask you to inspire each and every one of us this day about how to do that in relationships in our families, in chance encounters in our friendships. Prick our hearts. Give us that idea about engagement, about coffee, about prayer, about questioning, maybe even about getting pretty explicit about where, where are you on your spiritual journey, friend? In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.